0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the Good Lion Podcast. I'm Aaron Salvato, and today we're going to interview Brian Higgins, the host of First Time Bible Teacher, a podcast on our network. And also, he is the editor in chief of our website, as well as one of the co founders of the Good Lion Podcast Network. He's a great guy. I love him, and I think you'll love him too. We've got all sorts of great stuff in this interview. We're going to talk about what led brian to start first time bible teacher we're going to talk about middle school ministry and how sometimes youth pastors can be looked down on but how we can rise to the occasion to preach our best and we're also going to talk about how preaching has changed us personally and finally brian and i are both going to share about what it looks like when your calling is preaching and you work at a church and then god calls you into the unexpected, to step out of a full-time church job and find out what it means to be a minister out in the real world. All that and more coming up on this episode of The Good Line Podcast. Stay tuned. Brian, I wanted to ask you, your podcast, First Time Bible Teacher, what led you to
1: start the First Time Bible Teacher podcast? A couple different things. The first is that I love teaching the Bible. It's just Mm -hmm. my favorite thing Um, of all the things that I get to do in ministry and of all the things that I think I could ever do in ministry. Teaching the Bible is just to me by far the most fun. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a place where I feel like I come alive. It's uh, a, it's almost like not to get like melodramatic on it, but you remember the runner from chariots of fire? Yeah. Eric something. Right. I forget. I forget what his name is. Little. Liddell yeah, I think maybe yeah. yeah yeah. Eric Liddell he would talk about um like his whole thing was he wouldn't run on Sundays because it was the Lord's Day and like he did all of these really cool things to kind of stand out and honor God in the way that he went about stuff right but one of his really famous quotes is when I run I feel God's pleasure yeah and that was why he kind of like stuck with all the all the stuff that he was doing and in, in terms of running and athletics and that is to a smaller degree, how I just feel about teaching. Just when I'm doing that, I feel like I am doing the thing I am made to do. Mm, that's really good, so, man. So I really care about it. And I also remember that learning how to teach is super hard. Mm. And there's a lot of stuff that you only find out just kind of by messing it up. And i I've, had the privilege of being able to mess up at teaching for the last 13 years and, and well, just in different ways. Can I just ask really quick, what was the worst yeah. you ever messed up in teaching? Um, oh, man. Uh, I mean, I've gotten What's things your horror, horror story? Horror? Uh, the one that I really like, it wasn't so much like a fail as much as it was. It was a joke that totally didn't work. I grew up watching A Christmas Story. Right. Movie that they played for 24 hours on TBS every Christmas. Yeah you'll shoot your eye out and one of the famous scenes is the the dare escalation and the idea of like so there's the kids at outside and one of them is like if you stick your tongue to that pole it'll freeze And he's like nah you're full of it that's ridiculous <laughs> and then they go through the dare etiquette where the first kid is like well I dare you to do it and he's like oh no I won't do that and, and he's like explaining like there was a uh a a customary process in the way that we go about daring each other. And then it jumps to the double dare and the double dog dare, and it ends at the triple dog dare. And that's like the big thing. So I was teaching the book of revelation and I was very new at teaching. I was not very experienced or good at it. And we were teaching, I think it was revelation five where everybody is sitting around the throne room and singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. And I dove into like, this is so important because when the Bible repeats things, it it really is drawn to the significance. And, you know, most people would only for human authority would say, like, truly, I say unto you. And Jesus was like, truly, truly, I say unto you. And now, holy, holy, holy. And I was like, guys, this is why the triple dog dare is so important. And there was total silence no one reacted at all, except my two friends that I welcomed in to sit in on the teaching. And in that same teaching, my uh, the assistant pastor at that time, one of my good friends, a mentor of mine, um, we used to have these little dividers that kind of segmented where the junior high students were that I was teaching from the rest of the room because the room was just huge and people were walking through it all the time. And he was listening to the teaching, heard me flop on that joke, like heard it go nowhere and decided that his way of helping was he was going to run into the divider as hard as he could from the other side of it. I don't know why. that was his plan he was like this, I'm just is gonna- the, this is the assistant pastor the church he leads a church in kansas now yeah <laughs> and he just rams himself into the divider rams himself into the divider he's like i need to cause a diversion yeah he's like i just need to break them out of the boredom they're in and then maybe like brian will loosen up and the teaching will go better so he runs into the divider super hard And again, I'm the only person that jumps. Like I did like a Yelp, like I was terrified. I had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. And all the kids were just like, whatever. And that was, there was no way that teaching was savable. They were going to sit there in boredom no matter what I did. That's, that's amazing. That might be
0: one of the best uh, fail stories I've ever heard. Mine is basically just my, my worst one was um, I, I was my first time teaching at a camp and I somehow in my mind spliced two different parts of a sermon together like I tacked on a huge, huge chunk of a different sermon like it wasn't in my notes but for some reason I was like oh wait I feel like this is supposed to be here and I put it in and it added like another 30 minutes to it and so I ended up going for an hour and 25 minutes and well, the, the kids what the age group are you teaching middle school. And it was, it was at the night session. Everyone's already sleepy. And I felt like the kids were into it, but I look back towards the end of it. And my volunteer, Caleb Donnelly, um, amazing guy. And, uh, one of my favorite people, but he, in that moment, he, uh, was in the back of the room and he had this look of panic on his face (laughs) and he was literally jumping up and down and waving his arms to get my attention. He was pointing at the clock. And I just I saw the look of disappointment in his face. And I was like, oh, no, I've ruined everything.
1: That's awesome. So that story actually helps bring up why I wanted to start first time Bible teacher, because you want to help terrible Bible teachers become less terrible. I want to tell people that clock management is a part of teaching. Yeah. And it's important. Like, right. Whenever we train new Bible teachers, we say we tell them that the word of God is important and we tell them that, you know, they just need to hear from the spirit and let him speak. And all of that is totally true. Like, I'm not saying those things are wrong, but we also need to learn what an introduction is supposed to do in a message. Mm. Why a conclusion? Like, why is it important to repeat your points? Like, what does that matter? You've already said them. Why say them again? Um, how do you build? Because I'm sure that, you know, you've been teaching the Bible for a while. I'm sure that you felt, especially in the beginning, the huge difference you felt where when you were just talking with people in conversation about the Bible, it just flowed and was natural and was easy. And then when you started teaching and you're the only one talking, building yeah. those points is a totally different thing. Yeah, there's this responsibility and you have to carry it because you're
0: the only one and no one else is going to converse with you. So it's like you, you literally have to almost have a dialogue with yourself on the stage. Mm -hmm. And when you're just starting out, I mean, there was times where I felt like I was literally just reading a commentary on stage and that did not go over well with middle school kids, which is where I started.
1: Absolutely. It's a completely different way of talking. And so, so much of the heart for first time Bible teacher was what if this could become a resource that, you know, the the small church pastor, the, the new youth leader who's just trying to, you know, keep his calendar organized and make sure that he's ready to go and, and doing all the right stuff. How could this be a tool to give people that info to start their training in teaching, like yeah. trying to show people... Here's just, here's 15 minutes on how you build your main points on just things to think about, right? Here's 20 minutes on the importance of illustrations and some of the dangers of them. Cause everybody's looking for the big illustration. That's, that's like the deep three in basketball. Like it's just, it looks really cool. It seems like it's this huge thing, but it's hard to come by and it's hard to do well. That's a good illustration about illustrations. You're welcome. well done. Well done. You're welcome. That just happened in the moment. Um, and, and just like the idea of thinking through your illustrations beforehand and not just trusting that you'll find them in the moment. You know, here's here's some of the less spiritual elements of teaching, for lack of a better term. Like, here's just some of the practicalities of it. Yeah, because it's easy, again, to emphasize the spiritual portion of teaching, but Teaching is all of these different things. It's kind of like in worship music. Um, I've been able to serve in the worship ministry at my church for a while. All of the spiritual stuff is important. Teaching people to be sensitive to the spirit, to wait in a moment and see what God says is really, really important. But also teaching them to play in the right key is equally important when it comes to helping lead worship. If they're bad at music, then all of the spiritual portion in the world isn't going to make for smooth, easy worship times where everybody engages. There's going to be these glaring issues that people see that keep them from getting to the spiritual side. So first time Bible teacher is all about, here are some of those practical elements that are going to help you teach better to help people see the spiritual work that's already going on in your heart. That's great. Yeah. And I think what you're
0: doing with it, it's great content because to me, I listen to it I do listen to your show and I think it's great and I um I I think you have this tone in how you talk and you're not over spiritualizing things you're not making it this mystical experience it's it's very practical and very conversational and I mean, it's probably just your your New Jersey, you know, swag. But your <laughs> tone is very just much like, "Hey, kid, you know, come here. Let me tell you how it's like done." You know, not like in a you know prideful way, but just in a like, "Hey, I've been doing this, and I want to help you, and just here's some practical tools." And um, I don't, I don't know about you, but you and I come from the Calvary Chapel uh, denominational or non denominational background, mm-hmm. and for a lot of guys in Calvary you're basically, you start out preaching in youth ministry, you're kind of just thrown to the wolves, and there's really no training. Like, I was never trained, it was just figure it out. (laughs) It's just, here's a bunch of 12-year-olds, tell them about Jesus. And so all of us have had to learn through experience and through lack of experience. Um, I hope, my hope is that your podcast eventually, you know, if, if we can think of it as, you know, a book, you know, if we can think of it as something where you're not going to be making these episodes forever, but eventually you'll have this completed work that's sitting in Spotify. Mm -hmm. And um, I would love for it to become the gold standard one day where, you know, when senior pastors are hiring their youth pastors, they say, Hey, listen to this, you know, listen to this once a week and apply what you learn because to me, training is so
1: good. And we just, we just didn't get that. So having Mm -hmm. something like this is a fantastic resource. Those are those are very kind words. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I my training experience, it was very similar, although there were conversations on the on the back end. So I had a youth pastor who was able to listen to me while I was teaching, and then he was there to critique it and help me through it. And and he was I, I know for how bad I was that first year. He was super gracious and gentle <laughs> and and extremely helpful and encouraging and all that um those conversations on the back end of after you've taught having those people listen to it and give you direct feedback to what you're saying i don't ever believe that first time bible teacher can replace that mm. i'm hoping that first time bible teacher can be the prep conversation before you teach mm. So it'll be that little primer. It'll get you thinking about those things. Then you'll go try it. Like everybody just has to go through failing at teaching. Yeah. Everybody process. yeah, you have, you only learn some things by being in it. Like, you know, it's, it's the reason we're not upset with rookie athletes. Like it's their first time doing it. They (laughs) still need those reps, all the training, all the teaching, all of the practice they've had up to this point is super important, but those reps just matter differently. And that's always going to be true of teaching. This is just to try to guide what those reps are a little bit so that when the conversations happen after you've taught, they're not as ground level. They can start pushing you to level two because you've already done some stuff to work through level one, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Now,
0: I, w- I want to ask, so you started out in youth ministry, middle school ministry. Middle school right. ministry. Yes. And and that's that's actually you did that for pretty much your entire youth ministry run
1: was middle school, right? Yes. So my my first teaching experience was my high school Bible club. Uh, I was a freshman there at the school. A friend of mine was a year older. His brother had led the Bible club before that. And he did all like the admin stuff and made sure like we had the teacher in the room and the announcements and all that type of stuff. Uh, but he just kind of knew he wasn't a teacher and was fine with that. And me coming in, I was like, I, I want to be able to do this. I just don't know if I can. So my first experiences were being in high school, teaching other high schoolers and really just kind of like conversationally leading a group. Like my first teachings were definitely, I would read three verses and be like, so what do you guys think about them? And I was like, (laughs) I'm teaching, I'm doing it. And I totally wasn't um but it's basically first, running a small group right there basically yeah that yeah. that's more of an accurate description of how I was doing that which, which is another form of teaching definitely are you gonna Absolutely. do an episode on small group leading one day I I'm writing that down right now actually because that's a really that, good idea that's a form of teaching but it's a different I, thing. I had I should just do oh man you're just writing my show for me this is great I should do a full episode of just the other ways to teach and not just <laughs> classic Bible, formal teaching. That's a great idea. I would, I would listen to that. Um,
0: I want to ask you, uh, I forget what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Derailed the train. Um, I'll bring it back with this. So middle school ministry, I feel like there's a lot of guys listening to your show who are probably in the same place doing middle school ministry, junior high ministry. Um, I feel like a lot of times people treat middle school pastors like, it's almost like you know they're they're in little league and not in the big leagues, and it's okay. this idea of it's it's not as important. And I, I would feel like for a lot of people, there's kind of this expectation if you're doing youth ministry, especially junior high ministry, where it's just you know just make them laugh, just entertain them, just you know make sure that they're having a good time. Um, but you strike me as somebody because I've I've been to New Jersey, I've been to Calvary Old Bridge, I've heard you preach. Um, to the middle school kids, you have a lot of care and passion and you want to bring them top quality preaching. Um, what would be your encouragement to other middle school pastors kind of in that place where they're cop? Because I, I just remember for me, like mm-hmm. when I was a middle school pastor, I did feel this tension between wanting to give them the deep things of the word, but then also realizing like, I do have to kind of make them laugh all the time to keep their attention because they're so squirrely. And, and and I felt like I was kind of caught between this place of like wanting to go deep and then also having to do stand-up comedy.
1: Yeah. So I definitely get that sense that middle school ministry can feel like it is, you know, little league. It can feel like it's college football compared to the pros. A lot of that is just, that's where a lot of people start. So you end up with a lot of inexperienced people hmm. in youth ministry because where else are they going to get that experience? You know, there's, there's, no, there's no ministry. I don't want to say ministry below that. That's not the right way to phrase it, but there's, they're not just going to let you teach the big room the first time, right? They're not just going to give you, you know, the keys to the church and be like, Hey, you're on this Sunday, you know, I hope it's good. <laughs> like they're not going to do that. They want to get you into a spot where you can teach regularly. And and a lot of times I know for me, my first teaching experiences were there was somebody else that was overseeing it that was wiser that was more experienced and that was able to help me um but yeah th- a lot of that was just the example that i got of i had a youth pastor who did a really good job mm. teaching the truth of scripture and being real about it i think that's a better way I, I do the same thing that you did i i think about how can i keep these kids laughing how can i keep them entertained Right. I The more that I've done that, the more I've started thinking with middle school, it's less about are they entertained as much as do they sense that you're being real with them.
0: Yeah, that's so like, true.
1: Because you can wind up there's nothing worse than the person who's going to show up to teach middle school and be like, well, I'm going to be wacky and goofy with you guys. <laughs> and then right. like. They're just not relating on that level. They're not connecting with the kids and they're trying to be funny and it's not working like or that's that's not what they need. Or the person who shows up to
0: middle school and is like, I normally am a seminary professor. And so I am not going to change my tone and style at all for these kids and just teach them exactly the way that I would. That's no good either. Yeah. And I, I've seen that before too. And it's really mm-hmm. rough because you really do need to know your audience and make an effort to connect. And I think of it almost like, you know, there when I was a middle school pastor, there were young people, like young guys, dudes in my life, where if I joked around with them and laughed with them, they felt connected to me in a way where then I was able to share truth in their life. And so... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's how that's how I've always seen humor in messages. You you're not going up like you should not you should not be writing jokes in your sermon thinking, "Oh, this is going to be so funny. This is such a good joke." Like I like I I would say this is just my my principle, but yeah. Never do jokes for just the sake of jokes. Have jokes for the sake of truth because what mm-hmm. I've realized in my time is that people have a lot of defenses up mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And when they're sitting in a sermon, you're trying to communicate truth to them, but their walls are up. Humor is something that actually makes, when you laugh, you lower that wall. And so what I've always thought is you make them laugh, they lower the wall, and then you stab them with some truth. And then you repeat the process over and over.
1: And so, so taking that now to the junior high level, those defenses, they are there in a very real way that they are there with an adult audience. Yeah. But the kids aren't aware that that's what they're doing. Yes. And, and a lot of times with junior high students, they, their big wall is no one takes me seriously. Mm. I'm still just a screw up kid. Uh, you know, most lead pastors and I'm not blaming them because this is a real thing that happens a lot of lead pastors are just thinking with their junior high, not just thinking that's, that's too strong an accusation. I'm qualifying this a lot, right. but generally the idea is if they don't break anything, we had a good night of youth group. Right. Yeah, And and it yeah. feeds into this mentality of junior high kids, just break stuff. High school right. kids just break stuff. Like the, right. the stuff can still continue even the high school and you get these students who just kind of feel like, their parents don't take them seriously because they're just starting to get adult ideas, mm. but the ideas aren't fully formed. Yeah, and
0: that's really yeah. the same problem that youth pastors run into is not being mm-hmm. taken seriously. It's the 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 kids aren't being taken yes. seriously and then the youth pastor isn't taken seriously.
1: Yeah, and one of the ways that you you counteract that is you make sure that as the leader and as the teacher, you're not just doing a half hour of stand-up comedy. You're not just doing five minutes of here's what the Bible says means... And can do in your life. And 25 minutes of. But wasn't Isaac a hoot. (laughs) Like You need to make sure that you're. You're balancing those two things evenly. And I love that idea. Jokes for the sake of truth. So like one of the things that I'll think about. With illustrations. Is I love it when an illustration. Has a trigger sentence. Like I know what my opening sentence is. To the illustration. And it is way out of left field. So like I love it. When I can be going through a passage and be like, and Jesus, you know, speaking to his disciples, it is so important that they follow him closely. And then I'll let it go quiet. A woman in Florida was wrestling with her alligator this week. Everyone's like, (laughs) wait, what? And the illustration is going to be funny and it's going to break them out of whatever thing they were just thinking about. Right. But it ends on just like the woman in the gator did this. So Jesus does blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not just I'm going to throw a joke your way because I can do it and it'll make you chuckle. And that'll make me feel good as a teacher. It's this joke is going to bring you deeper into spiritual truth, which realistically is not different when you're teaching adults. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was John Piper who said this, where he said, you should teach the Bible no matter where you're teaching, unless you're doing like children's ministry, no matter where you're teaching adults, young adults, high school, junior high, you should teach as if everyone is 12 and has never read the Bible before. (laughs) like, that should just be the way that you're thinking. So the, the example he even gave was like, if you're teaching, it's easy on a Sunday morning to just mention Passover as an idea Mm. And assume everyone knows what Passover is. And everyone knows what I'm trying to hit at as I talk about Passover.
0: Right. You know, that time where the angel of death came and didn't kill the people
1: who had the lamb's blood smeared on the door that time. Yeah. Everyone knows. (laughs) As we all talk about often. Like (laughs) it's easy to just kind of throw out different ideas and to just let them sit there. And you are alienating people that you don't realize you're alienating. So, if you treat everyone like they're 12 and they've never read the Bible before, you're going to teach simpler. You're going to do a better job teaching just to the amount that they can take in at any one moment. And you're actually going to get more done because you were simpler. That's really good, man. I want to move the discussion to just a personal question
0: because obviously, preaching is important to us. It's important to you. That's why you started this podcast. How has preaching changed. And I'm not talking about the experience of, um, of you preaching, but I'm talking about as you've gone through your life and you've heard countless sermons by different people and different pastors, how has hearing the word of God being taught actually impacted you? Because that's, that's our goal as preachers, we don't want to just get up and say, Oh, I gave a good 45 minute Ted talk, which is like four times as long as a normal Ted talk. Um, (laughs) we are getting up and we're like, at least for me, when I get up and preach, I am hoping that there is heart change that people walk away, not just with truth in their minds, but with change in their heart. So for you as somebody who has listened to preaching and heard preaching, how has it changed you?
1: So some people are very visual. Some people are very picture and video oriented. I am very word oriented. Um, I have always cared about the way things are phrased and I've always cared about stories that are told. So like as a kid, I grew up and like Seinfeld was just kind of the show of the house. (laughs) Like we all loved it. And it was like, my parents cared about it and loved it and they let us watch it. And, uh, my brother and I just loved that show growing up. And I just studied the phrasing of it. Mm. I would watch it over and over because the way things were phrased really mattered. And I would take little lines and I'd hang on to those jokes and I'd be able to use them later. And Mm. I would do this with stories that people told me I'd hang on to a story. If a story was well phrased, Mm. I would hang on to that. And I would really like think about it in life. And I would use that story to tell to other people preaching has given me more words to hang on to Mm. that when I'm trying to figure out how should I view this situation I normally first filter it through well what are the things I've heard before Mm. what are the things that have already been spoken to me what are the things that um are well phrased that I can just hang on to that you know that line Ooh, that line really hits like that line means something I'm going to remember it when I'm facing something, Mm. you know, so preaching has kind of given me that arsenal to learn to view life correctly, to Mm. learn to fight sin, to learn Mm. to lay down things that are not helpful. It's become it's kind of like we always talk about with memorizing scripture. I think it's Psalm 119 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Just that idea of when you have more of scripture living within your heart, when your heart needs a scripture in a certain moment, it'll come to mind because yeah. you already have it within you. Preaching has been one of the main ways scriptures and biblical ideas have gotten to live in my heart and have been put in me in a way <clears throat> have been put in me in a way that's easy to recall. Mm, That's, that's really good. Yeah.
0: I I totally agree. I I feel the same way. Like there's been, there's so much, like there's so many things, there's so many ways that I think right now, there's so many ways that I feel there's so many things that are in my heart and things that I'm passionate about, things I want to see change, like things that I want to do for the Lord. And those ideas didn't come out of thin air, if I trace the yes. line mm-hmm. on pretty much every single one of those things, it all comes back to preaching. It all comes back to sitting under amazing faithful preachers. And I'm I'm so thankful nowadays for podcasts because mm-hmm. um, I mean, so many people, they're at a church and all they really get to hear is their senior pastor, which is great, like that's fantastic. But we live in an age where we can literally from our phones or computers, just hear all of these other preachers And so there's, there's been so much, like, it's almost like if you really think about it by hearing these preachers, it's almost like we've gotten to sit and be mentored by all of these different guys. Like I have probably Mm -hmm. six or seven preachers where I'm listening to their podcast almost every single week and, you know, alternating between a few, but it's like God has ministered to me so much through these guys. And, and and I, I look at who I am and I can't just attribute it to myself. I, I look at it and say, this is because God's truth got into my heart and changed me because of these faithful guys preaching.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, Jesus could have been born in any timeframe and he could have been born in a time where he had the world's most subscribed YouTube channel. Like he could have done that. And yet it was enough for him to say, I will live in the time when spoken stories will impact people. Like there there's such a power in a spoken story that goes beyond a lot of other things. You know, you Mm. feel like you get to know the storyteller. You feel like you get to see their world and not just hear their rules. You get to inhabit that story world in your own mind. You get to kind of put yourself within that narrative arc in a way that a lot of other mediums just don't give you. Mm there's such a, a personal feel to the way that preaching gets done and the way that storytelling gets like, I, I think sometimes we talk about preaching and we make it this elevated, Ooh, the preacher will come and expound the word. And like, we, we make it this kind of like mystical thing, like right. preaching and storytelling are not that far apart. Yeah. Um, I am interested in stand-up comedians because they do something very similar to preaching. They stand up in front of a room with nothing but a microphone And they hold their attention for a long time with nothing but words. Like preaching is very similar to those types of art forms. And those art forms have such an interesting power to stick with you. Right. You you, You can remember jokes you heard when you were in third grade. Right. Because spoken words just have that power to stick with you. And I bear witness to it from what's happened in my own life from listening to preaching. Right, and I'd I'd say the best stand-up comedians are the ones who are good at not just
0: telling jokes, but telling stories and and making those Absolutely. stories come to life in a way where yeah, you laugh, but you also feel something. Yeah, completely agreed. Mm-hmm. I and also I think you're touching on something that's really important because for preachers, an understanding that we need to come to is that preaching is not about necessarily just opening up the text and saying, well, this is what it means. This, was it. this is what this chapter means. This is what yeah. this verse means. It's actually about a story. All preaching should be about the story of Jesus, whether you're in Leviticus, whether you're in Revelation, whether you're in Matthew, it all is about that story. It's all a piece of the puzzle. It's all a component of the story that points back to the, the overarching thing, which is yeah. the story of, of God and his family and his love.
1: Yeah, and, and you have really two options. You can hand people the rules that they should follow, and the things that they should do, or you can hand people the story that they should live within. Mm. And I think good preaching, like you're saying offers a framing narrative for you to live within rather than, well, today's message is on forgiveness. So at the end of today, I'm going to tell you, you should forgive each other instead of we are living in a story of how God has forgiven us. Mm. And as people of forgiveness, we should be prone to extend forgiveness. Like one of yeah. those things is much more powerful than the other. Right. Absolutely. Well, th- this, is, this has been
0: great. Here, here's my last question. And sure. if it's okay, can I get a little personal?
1: Let's do it. So <clears throat> here's my question. That was a good lead to a question. I know, right? Yeah, thank you. Like, thank, thank you for the validation. I, I feel prepared for where we're going. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so you have spent how many years at Calvary Old Bridge? on on staff or in general teaching preaching
1: teaching i started teaching uh 2008 something like that so it's been about 11 years crazy 10 or 11 something like that Um, math is hard that's about the time that i started 2007
0: 2008 as well preaching you know i was a volunteer in the youth group and um yeah i did that for about 12 years there and um I know that now you're in a season where you are stepping out of that position, out of that job and following God's call to move to Portland. And you're going to be helping out Westside, a Jesus church. Mm -hmm. And I know that preaching is something that's still on your heart, but I know that you're entering into a season right now where you're not going to be working at a church. You're not going to be for for a time. You know, there's an in-between part between, you know, there, there's a B between the A and the C. And is it going to be hard for you to step out of preaching in the context that you've been preaching. You've been preaching to an audience of people that you love, that you care about, that you've been mentoring over such a long period of time. And now you're kind of going into like this no man's land. That That's just where I find myself because mm-hmm. I, I've gone through the same experience recently. I was at the church Calvary Vista for quite a long time, preaching, moved to Oklahoma, um, Brooklyn and I thought we were going to Ireland, but then God said, nope, actually you're making a stop in Oklahoma. And, uh, I haven't been working at a church and it's, it has been challenging to,
1: mm-hmm. to leave that steady known component of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, um, I mean, I think I opened this by saying like preaching is the thing I love doing most. Right. So there's definitely a part of me that's looking at it and saying, I'm going to miss something that I've really cared about for a little bit for, for a long time. And that I don't imagine myself ceasing to care about, like it, it's not a, Oh, this will be fine. Cause I don't care about this the way that I used to. Um, I think though it is really healthy and this is probably just really ironic. Now that I'm thinking about it as we <laughs> have launched a podcast network, um, <laughs> there's times to speak and there's times not to speak. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, first time Bible teacher is one thing because I'm kind of sharing an experience that I've already had. And I'm kind of sharing, um, Hey, here's some stuff I've picked up along the way. Hopefully this is helpful to you. Mm. Um, to some degree, I'm going to enjoy learning to sit again and learning to not be the speaker. Yeah. I I'm excited to, to have a season of that, of, you know, to, we're recording this on a Thursday the night before we recorded this. I taught my last uh, junior high sermon at mm. the the youth group that I led for almost seven years. And one of the things I considered saying to them, but I didn't end up saying to them. So I'll say it to you guys. Now I almost feel like I have run out of things to say for right now. Mm. You know, one of the things I think I'm learning about myself and about a healthy relationship with God is there are seasons of work and seasons of rest. There are seasons of speaking and seasons of listening. Hmm. So there's a part of me that's really excited about, I'm going to be in a season where I'm going to get to just kind of sit and listen and think yeah. through new ways to preach new things to say, not new truth to right. to come up with or whatever, but new truth to discover. You know, there's a lot of truth out there. Hmm. in scripture and in the world that I just don't know yet. And so getting yeah. to learn all of that is going to be great. Um, I, it's easy for me to say that right now. I know I'm going to miss it more than I'm leading on. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I normally find that I I'm the guy where I go to the meeting and I leave the meeting and six hours later, I know what I wanted to say at the meeting. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of in the spot of, I, I know that I'm going to wind up missing it. I know that it's going to be difficult. And and one of the things that I'm already kind of sensing and, and hearing from the Lord is the idea of you are more than your work. You are yeah. more than the words you say on a stage. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. You know, yes. Teaching is or preaching the way that I have done it is a fun task that I get to be a part of. It is not, the defining element of my life. And it's not even the most important thing in who I am in God. Yeah. Um, and hopefully if I say that enough, I'll eventually believe it because yeah. it's definitely hard. It's it's easy to say that in this moment. Um, yeah, it, it'll be tough. and And part of how, part of how I know you're coping with it. And part of how I intend to cope with it is being able to speak in a different way. Like part of yeah. what I love about being able to podcast is it's a, different way of communicating biblical truth hmm. and it's a different way of sharing your life so it's a very different kind of study like studying for first-time bible teacher is mostly just coming up with episode ideas and thinking through my own experience and then just organizing right. thoughts that i have it's not there's, Here's there's a passage i'm going to share yeah there's prayer
0: involved though and there's you know yeah, there's definitely god's heart and how you're going to communicate so it's, it's very similar it's just it's on a smaller scale
1: It's on a smaller scale and it's for a very specific thing. So I've loved the deep dive that I've been able to do. I've been thinking about preaching a lot more than I was before I started the podcast. Yeah. Um, And I've even been like holding myself accountable to things that I've been saying. So (laughs) I like the idea of getting to one of the things I've been thinking about is you grow in these seasons and you learn all these skills along the way, Mm. but you don't often Feel the effect of them until you enter a new season. Yeah. So I have been on staff at Calvary since 2012. I was right. 20 when I joined staff. Right. And I've been there for seven years and even take away the the teaching and the position from 20 to 27, you change so drastically, just <laughs> yeah. so much about who you are changes Yeah. And I got married in that time. And like so much has changed in my life and in who I am. Hmm. And to some degree, I still walk around feeling like the 20 year old kid that started. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So much. All of those, (laughs) all of those lessons and all of those things that I've learned, I feel like I won't really be able to put into effect. Yeah until the new season begins. And and mostly just because of the way that I'll perceive myself of, I am not that kid anymore. I am a different person. Right.
0: It it's a challenge, man. And, and I brought it up because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nearing year one of this expedition of moving out to Oklahoma. And it is just, I'll just say this. There's so much wrapped up in, I I mean, this has been my experience. I don't want to assume it's the experience of every you know, Mm -hmm. youth youth pastor and Bible teacher, but at least in my experience, there's so much identity wrapped up in that task because you've been doing it for so long. It's how you introduce yourself. It's when people ask you what you do, it's, Oh yeah, I'm a youth pastor and I do this. And, and, and if you're, if you're a good youth pastor, you know, and, and not, you know, some prideful guy, there's this healthy level of just, a feeling of like, wow, this is something God has entrusted to me and I care about this. And, and yeah. this makes this makes me feel like, man, wow, Jesus just has this task for me and I want to do it with all my heart. So for me, like getting thrown out here and, you know, in my mind, um, what was going to happen and, and there was talks um, I was going to move to Ireland or England and teach at a Bible college, which to me, that was the trajectory I felt like my life was heading on. You know, it was middle school ministry and then high school ministry. And now I'm passionate about young adults. So just obviously this makes sense. And then God says, no, actually, um, that's all good. And that's a good dream. And that's a, a good thing to have in your heart, but I want you to go to Oklahoma. And we showed up here. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh man, like within two weeks, I'll have a college group up and running. And uh, Mm. just, uh, it was two months of living with my wife's grandma and just basically doing nothing but web design for your church, actually. I designed your church's website. You did. Yeah. And it was a long- I got to work with you on that a little bit. It was fun. That's actually how we met. Um, Yeah. And it was, yeah, I just knew you were the copywriter guy. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I just called you Higgins. I was like, I'm just going to send this text to Higgins and let him- Most people do. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it was just a lot of sitting still and it was challenging. And there was a lot of times where I was feeling like this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. This isn't what I was made to do. And then we showed up at a church and, you know, it, it, part of it was really cool because we just got to sit and listen. Like my wife had- been coming to youth group and hearing me teach for years and we didn't really get to go to church together. So that was really good. But then there's another part of me that's just like, oh, like I'd see the guy preaching and I'm like, I miss doing that. Like I want to yeah. do that somehow. And then we joined this community group and you know, they're not looking for leaders. Um, and we're not in leadership. We're just attending. And that's been so good for my soul, honestly, dude, because mm. it's a place where it's like, I'm there. And I'm asking God constantly, like we do like group discussions, you know, with the whole group, guys and girls. And I'm like, God, do you want me to say anything? And it's been learning to not feel like I have to say things Mm -hmm. because that's who I am. I'm the pastor and learning to just speak when the spirit puts things on my heart to say, and then be quiet and receive from others. And even to be willing to like receive from people who've been Christians less long than me. Yeah. And that's been so good. It's been so healthy, but it is hard there, there are Mm -hmm. like, God put it on my heart a few, about a month ago or a month and a half ago to start a Bible study at a coffee shop. And, um, I really prayed about it and asked, you know, is this something that I'm doing just because I feel like I need to preach or is it something that God actually wants me to do? And I felt like he revealed to me, it is what I want you to do. And I went into it with expectations of what it was going to be like. And it's been this thing where, you know, I would say on average, I get, maybe three or four people that show up and that's challenging, but God's teaching me how to have that heart and treat the four people that show up the same way I would treat the 20 that showed up in my youth group or the 400 at the camp. Um, But it is is challenging because in our culture of how, you know, every pastor is on Instagram posting everything they're doing. And it always looks super fantastic when you're doing something that looks not as fantastic. You can feel like you're failing. And um, I even, you know, remember hearing guys when I was younger talk about missionaries, you know, I'd hear pastors and they'd be like, oh, it's so sad. You know, that guy moved out to that foreign country and he's been there for five years and he only has like six people in his church and it was treated as this failure. So that kind of stuff's always ringing in the back of my head. So I I just, Mm -hmm. I'm throwing this all out here because I feel like you're probably going to face this and deal with it in different ways, but in similar ways. And uh, I'll be praying for you. It's a challenge, but. God teaches so much in this season. He's been teaching me so much in this season.
1: So I I appreciate that a ton. I respect so much the step that you took and, and the way that, you know, God's meeting you in it. I am excited to learn my insignificance. Yes. Because (laughs) I, and when you're the preacher, when you're the leader, it is easy And natural in a lot of ways for people to treat you like you are significant and and sometimes go too far with that and to treat you like you are above them. And you are the one that really knows how Christianity works, especially in youth group, because (laughs) you are their first church experience outside of children's ministry in a lot of ways. So you're their first pastor. Yeah. So I, I get why all of that stuff happens. And one of the big things that my wife and I are excited for is the unlearning of things that we don't know yet. We need to unlearn. Yes. The deconstruction. Yeah. I'm excited to see, wow, I didn't realize I had that thought and I need to lay it down now. Yeah. I'm excited for that process. It's, it's a good process and I'm still in it. Um,
0: honestly, looking at the stuff that I've found in myself that I didn't know was there. I think if God were to, if he would have allowed me in Brooklyn to go straight from full-time crazy ministry at a big church to Mm -hmm. just go straight to the mission field and do more crazy full-time, you know, church specific ministry, it wouldn't have been as healthy as what we're dealing with now. Like this kind of Moses in the wilderness, like being like, is this really like hanging out with these sheep? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? It's, it's been so good. And, and I, I look at it now and I'm like, this was necessary. Like, this is what my soul needed. I'm learning, I'm learning how to not be a pastor and just be a human. Like I am Mm -hmm. just a human follower of Jesus, Christian. And also it's showing me things about, I used to preach to people all the time and say, I believe that sharing the gospel, discipling people, mentoring people, that is my calling. And no matter what my vocation is, that's what I'll do. And I would always say things to my youth group kids like, yeah, you know, if the church runs out of money and they can't, uh, they can't afford to pay me anymore and give me a salary. Like I'm still, I I, I would still lead this youth group. I would do it as a volunteer. I'd go work at Starbucks. Like I'm literally thrown into a situation now where I have to like put, you know, my money where my mouth is and, um, and figure out like, am I going to forsake all this ministry stuff God's put on my heart and take the easy road. And, um, that's been a temptation, but the more that I obey and just say, yeah, if God wants me to just show up at this coffee shop on Thursday nights and and teach four people, like that's absolutely what I need to do. Um, even if it doesn't look the way that in, in my stupid mind that I want it to look, it's, it's important. Because mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I come to, to is Jesus. He had crowds that he spoke to occasionally, but he had 12 guys that he yeah. mentored and he, he, those were his guys. And so, yeah, just the whole numbers thing is so crazy in ministry. I think yeah, it's, it's, it's easy
1: to get caught up in and it's not healthy to get caught up in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, I am praying for you and I'm excited Thanks, for, for your journey. Thank you. I am. Very appreciative of the example you're setting and of the prayer you were giving. Thanks, man. Well, should we wrap up this interview? Sounds good. How Thanks do for- you, how do you, how do you wrap up an interview? Um, mostly with divulging your, uh, darkest childhood secret. <laughs> I'll let you go first. Um, um, I had a dream
0: when I was four years old about a witch and the witch was in my room and she was throwing magical hula hoops at me and I dove behind my dresser and I, I found a a care bear. It was the green care bear with the good luck, lucky Patrick star on his chest. Okay. And I looked at the bear and I said, she's throwing hoops at me. And the bear looked at me. Did you say it like that? Yeah. I was like, she's throwing hoops at me. I was like four and the bear looked at me with like the most dead, serious adult expression I'd ever seen in my life. And he just I said, I said, What is she doing? And the bear looks at me and just goes, She's throwing hoops at you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I the dream progressed to the bear and the witch getting married. And I was on an island with them, fanning a fanning them with a giant palm leaf.
1: And makes sense. And then I yeah. And so now I'm scarred for life. That's good. Yeah. My dark it? secret is that I was the witch in that dream oh my gosh I I was throwing hoops at you and I meant it so much about my life makes sense now thank
0: you thank you so much Brian this has been a healing time for you it's been good dude thank you so much for the interview it's awesome anytime man Uh, I'm excited to do more with you as time progresses sounds good let's do it Hey, thanks for listening to Good Lion. If you want to hear more from me or Brian, you can check out our podcasts, including First Time Bible Teacher on goodlion.io. We have our podcasts and tons of other podcasts from different people on our network. Really good content. Really encourage you guys. Check out the website, goodlion.io. And also on Instagram, same thing, goodlion.io. We are a ministry of and supported by the Calvary Global Network. You can find out more at calvarychapel.com. The heart of Good Lion is to get as much good, Jesus-centered content into your ears, into your hearts, into your minds. So if you believe in that, if you want to help, if you want to support our vision, please give us a review on iTunes and share our podcast with your friends. Share the website. Share the other podcasts on the network with your friends. Follow us on Instagram. Get the word out there. We can't do this without you guys, so please help us. I'm Aaron Salvato. You've been listening to Good Lion. We'll see you next time.